Thank you, Jennifer. So exciting to, to hear about the kids' pantry, and what an honor and a privilege. And we, had, we really had no idea that that was, um, that was happening, but uh, we were grateful for God's goodness and, and being able to help the community. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 for just a few minutes today uh, as we open God's Word and allow His Word to speak to us. We're actually going to be looking at the book of Ephesians uh, throughout the summer. And we're not going to go verse by verse through it. We'll take different sections at different times, but the whole summer will come out of the book of Ephesians. And so if you want to have a great Bible study over the summer, you can begin reading the book of Ephesians over and over again with a highlighter and allow God to speak to you. And so we're going to do that today, and we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 2. I want to begin with the question, what does God want to do with your life? What does God want to do with your life, all of your lives? What does God want to do? What does God even want to do in, in baby Elisa's life? Let me tell you, God wants to change you through and through. God wants to do a work in your life because we come to God as broken. We come to God as sinners. We come to God so empty as we sang today, I'm lost without you, right? I'm lost without God. And so when I come to him, he saves me. He forgives me. He begins this process of making me more like Jesus. And so how does this happen? Why does he do it? Let's begin in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience, and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of the sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. In the first few verses here of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us three things, our condition, three things about us. One, we're dead. Two, you're a slave to sin. And three, you stand condemned before God. You're dead. You are lost in your sin. There is no way out. You can't get out on your own. It controls your Life, it separates you from God. It keeps you from giving him glory. There's this sin that makes us a slave. That we become a slave to sin, that we have to obey its desires, that, that that's just how we're wired from birth. And so we have this problem, don't we? Because there's really no way out. There's no hope. I, we can't save ourselves, and we just keep living in this sin as a slave we are condemned. We, we're lost forever. We will ultimately be destroyed. We are under wrath. We're not connected to God. We, we have this place that is probably the worst place you could be, dead, a slave, condemned. And if that was the end of the story, that would be hard, right, to, to see that. Because Paul says, this is who you are. And then two words show up that I absolutely love. You're dead, you're slave, you're condemned, but God. 
but God. Rich in mercy, rich in love. God shows up. He's not willing to leave you in that condition. He wants to change you through and through. Picking up verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What I love about that part of the Scripture, if you have your Bibles open, just keep looking at this, because what I love about this is he gives us the antidote for the three things that plague us. We're dead, we're a slave, and we're condemned. And so, what does Paul say? Christ makes us alive. But God, so rich in love and mercy and grace, he makes us alive. Just as Jesus raised from the dead, so will you be raised. And you are walking in this new life. Jesus isn't just coming into your life to clean you up and make you a little better. He's coming into your life to make you alive, to make you brand new. That's what God wants to do, that you will be alive forever with Christ, that you are no longer dead, you are no longer powerless, you have been made alive in Christ. How many of you enjoy those uh, home makeover shows on TV? That's something that Leslie and I agree on, we can watch those. Our favorite is Fixer Upper, uh, Chip and Joanna, we just, uh, we can't get away from them. We, uh, we, we're old school, right? We like them. And we're just amazed. Every time they touch a house, it's just unbelievable. And I love their tagline. We take the worst house on the block and turn it into our client's dream home. And in all those years just watching, it's like, they've never done a bad job, have they? And if they did, it didn't show up on TV. But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they, they do really good work. There's a lot of shows like Fixer Upper on there. And you know what's always funny as I watch them? Because you know these people do amazing work. Like, this is their gift. They're so good. At, at, at rebuilding and decorating houses and making them brand new. And, and there's always this moment, I know they have to add some drama to the show, where the couple, they're saying, we're going to come into the home, and we're going to do this and this and this. And the couple's like, I don't know. I'm a little scared. I don't think you can do it. I'm like, if they ever came to my home, like, do whatever you want, because I know you do a lot better than I could ever think, right? But there's always those people like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure you can handle it. And how many people are like that with God? God, I don't know if you can handle my life. I don't know if you can handle my situation. I don't know. You know, it's like, I, I, I know you're really good at what you do, but I'm just telling you, you got to trust God. Trust him. He will make you alive. And you can't do it on your own. It's him. I'm going to a conference uh, next uh, month in Arizona, and so I booked my tickets, and I told somebody, hey, I'm flying to Arizona, and the truth is, I'm actually going to be sitting in a seat reading and sleeping for three to four hours. I'm not actually flying to Arizona. That's the airplane and the pilot's job to get me there. But, uh, but I'm just a passenger. 
And that's what it is with God. God says, I'm going to make you alive. You make the decision to follow Jesus. He's going to be at work in your heart and in your life. He wants you to come alive. He wants to give you new life, abundant life, eternal life. We've just been preaching about all that in the weeks before this. Christ wants to live in you. He wants to make you alive because you're dead. And he doesn't want you to be a slave anymore. So what does Paul say? That God raises us up. We're no longer a slave. We are now seated with Christ in heavenly places because Christ descended. We are seated with him forever. It confirms our status. So we are no longer condemned. We're now seated with Christ. We have a new position. We have a new authority. No matter what happens to us here on this earth, we know where our position lies. It lies with Christ in his authority. And this idea of being united with Christ in his ascension and in his power, it tells us that we are in fellowship with him. Again, it's not us, it's him. We're in fellowship. We're in relationship with him. And we're growing in that relationship with him. Our relationship with God is likened to a marriage. Now, when somebody gets married, they're married that day, right? When they say, I do, and they make their vows and exchange their rings, and they kiss the bride, and they walk down the aisle, they are married right then. But there's still some work to do, right? There's two becoming one. And so you might need to go to the, to the bank and, and maybe change your name or change some account numbers or get a new driver's license or merge some schedules or all these different things that might have to happen if, after you're married. And, and it's not just something that happens a, a few days or weeks or months. It's actually the rest of your life, the two becoming one. And that's like it is with God because when you come to Christ, you are seated in heavenly places with him. You are made alive, but there's a process at work in your life. That God is continuing to draw you close to him so that you can have that heart of fellowship. That you can have that new perspective, that new place of authority. That, that you can experience that eternal life now because you are already seated with him in heavenly places. And... The last thing that Paul said is that you were condemned, and, and now Paul says, you're no longer condemned. I, I'm giving you good things to do. God's giving us good things to do. You're no longer dead. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer condemned. You are now alive with new authority, and you are created for good works. And Paul teaches us this. And I want to talk about this just for a moment because I think Sometimes, especially maybe if we grew up in church or we lived out in the world, we might have a, a, a skewed perspective of this. A lot of times we think about being good. The world thinks about how to be good is to don't do bad things. If you want to be good, don't do bad things. Because if you do bad things, then, then you're out. Then you're canceled. You do something wrong, you're, you're done, right? So if you want to be good, don't do bad things. Religion tells us that, right? Religion says, hey, don't do bad things. Uh, you don't want to do bad things, and if you don't do bad things, then you're good. And what Paul is saying here is that in God's kingdom, it's not about not doing the bad things, it's about doing the good things. That God created you actually for a purpose, not just to hide out till he comes back and just, okay, make sure I don't do anything bad. He, he's creating us for good works He's created us for a purpose. He's created, to show, he's created you to show off in your life, to make you a masterpiece. That's what he says right here. I am making you alive. I'm seating you in heavenly places. I want you to do good works. And all of it comes from him. God wants to custom design your future. 
He wants a hand in you doing good works. If you have your Bibles open, your translation may not use the word masterpiece. It might use the the word handiwork or, or something like that or work of art that we are God's handiwork, that we are his masterpiece. And in the Greek, it's the word poema. And we eventually in English will get the word poem from this word. And so if you think of it as a poem, if you think of it as a work of art, that, that, that God is saying, I want to write something good with your life. I, I want to write, I want to I want to make, I want to paint, I want to sculpt, I want to, you're my masterpiece. I want to show off through you. We need to let God, just like they do on those home shows, get to work in our life and start making something new, making something good. He wants us to be an example of his goodness in this world. It's not just about hiding out and not doing the bad things. It's a group of moms that said, we want to help our community. And so they start the kids' pantry that has grown over the years till now it's recognized across Chicagoland. It's it's people saying, I am going to give my life for something bigger. I ran into Swapna. Is Renzi here? Oh, she's working with the kids uh, last night after church. And they're... They're doing a prayer drive around cities in the northwest suburbs, just praying. They're doing good works. They're doing kingdom works. It's like, it's not just, okay, I'm going to hide out and not do bad things. No, I'm going to be on a mission for God and his kingdom. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start wherever I go, whether it be at home or at work, God wants to show off in me some good works that he's done, that that he's at work inside of me. It's not just that I, I hide out and I don't do bad things anymore. It's know that God is writing something with my life that is good and is a testimony of his power. He's prepared these for you to do, and he's preparing you to do them. God wants to do amazing things through you wherever you go that he can show his glory, that he can show his goodness. You were created for something big that God has made you special, that God has said, I have a work of grace in you. I have big plans for you. And I also want to say this, God won't give up on you either. Sometimes we, we make mistakes. Sometimes we fall backwards. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we start heading in the right direction, we go in the wrong direction, or we misstep, or whatever. Jesus has you in the palm of his hand, and he's never going to let you go. He's still at work in your life. He's still going to keep writing in, with your life. And, and that's why we give him the pen of our life. And we just say, okay, God, write something beautiful with my life. And so sometimes we think, okay, God, write something beautiful. And at the end of my life, it'll be a beautiful poem. No, what we need to do is every morning we get up, say, God, would you today write something beautiful with my life? That, that you would do something good through me, to my family, to where I work, wherever I go, that I would be a testimony, that I would be an example of your goodness in this world. God is planning on making you like Jesus. That's the process. That's what we'll talk about here in the book of Ephesians. If that's what you were predestined for, you were predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ, that that is God's plan. And you can say, That's good for you, Pastor Daryl. You're a pastor, and he's at work in your life. I want to tell you, he's at work in all of our lives, and he's doing this. And you can say, how can I I tell, and how can I know? 
And how do I know that God won't give up on me? And, and how, because he says in Philippians 1, 6, that I'm confident he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's not going to give up on you. You may have arrived, you know, dead, a slave, condemned. But he says, I love you so much, and I'm so rich in mercy. You're going to come alive. I'm going to seat you in heavenly places with me, give you a new perspective, a new place. And I've created you to do some good things, some good works in this world, some kingdom things in this world. And I no longer live for myself, I live for him. Amen? Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? And don't, this isn't a time for movement. I, I, don't, I just want to talk one more minute and then we'll pray. Being in a place of death, slave to sin, condemned to wrath, that's a scary place to be. And too many people find themselves there. And you may be sitting here today and just say, I've, I feel that about my life. I, I feel like I'm dead. I feel like I'm a slave to sin. I feel condemned. I've got two words for you. But God. But God, rich in mercy, love, and grace. He wants to make you alive. He wants to raise you up. And he wants to do a good work in your life. He's going to do the work. He supplies all the mercy, all the grace, all the love. All you do is you come with repentance. You just turn from your way. You turn from your sin. You say, God, I want to do it your way. And I'm going to tell you, he is going to write a beautiful poem in your life. All you have to do is surrender to him. Just come to him. Confess him as Lord and Savior. For us that know him, it's time for us to realize who we are in Christ. We're not dead, we're alive. We're not just kind of mucking it through the day. We have been raised with Christ. That we should have a heavenly perspective and heavenly authority at work in our life. And that you were created for good works not just throughout a lifetime, but you were made for good works today, tomorrow, and the next. That every day God can take the pen in his hand and write a beautiful stanza of your life. And so instead of fighting him, instead of doubting him, just come to him. Just repent and come home. I want to tell you, his arms are always open wide. But God, rich in mercy and love. God, we surrender our lives completely to you today. Lord, if we need to, we just say, all right, it's not my way anymore, it's your way. You are my Lord, you are my Savior, you rose from the dead and you ascended into heaven. And God, you give me new life and you give me a new place and you want to do good things. And so we just give ourselves to you. Lord, we offer all of ourselves to you. Today, in this moment of prayer, after hearing your word, we realize that we are lost without you. 
But with you, <laughs> we're alive, we're raised up, we're created for good works. So God, write a good story with our life this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.